you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hi, and welcome to Airing the Addisons. I am Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm here with my wife, Debbie. We've been filling in this week for Will and Miki, and we've been having a wonderful time. Just to let you know a little bit about me, I am the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas. I came to First Baptist Texarkana in 2003. We moved from Houston to Texarkana, which was quite a move. Uh, the culture is very, very different, and it took a while to get acclimated, but we love living here, and we love the church. Uh, the Lord led me in 2005 to start a radio and television ministry called From His Heart Ministries, and we air on American Family Radio every weeknight at 6 o'clock Central Time. We'd love to have you tune in. Well, we have been talking this week, Debbie and I, we've been talking about a book I wrote in uh, 2013 called Runaway Emotions, Why You Feel the Way You Do and What God Wants You to Do About It. It's a book that deals with negative emotions, the things that we don't like, worry and anger and guilt and loneliness and things like that. Those are all emotions that we are like, yeah, I like the, the love and the joy and the excitement and, and those kinds of emotions, uh, but not those other ones. And we're, we're tracing the, uh, the, the symptom of these negative emotions back to the root cause. And we use the illustration of a smoke alarm. Everybody has a smoke alarm in his or her house, or you're supposed to. And when that alarm goes off, that tells you there's not a problem with the alarm. There's a problem because you have a fire somewhere. And if you'll put the fire out, find the fire, put out the fire, you'll find that the alarm stops blaring. And everyone likes it when that alarm stops blaring because it is an awful, awful sound. Well, on Monday, we talked about the issue of worry. And uh, on Tuesday, we talked about anger. Anger causes lots of problems in relationships. And then yesterday, we talked about guilt. And what does God want? Uh, what is he trying to say through those negative emotions? Well, today we're going to talk about the biggest negative emotion of all, uh, the emotion called depression. And depression is something that, man, when you get depressed and when it goes down into clinical depression, it, you feel like you're in a, a well that's a mile deep and you can't get out. Yes, it's a horrible, horrible place to be. And oftentimes, though, um, you can be depressed and not necessarily know that you're depressed. Um, but when you when it gets to a real deep, deep level of depression, there's just no escaping the fact that you're there. And uh, statistics tell us that women are 50 to 70 percent more likely to experience depression than men are, which is an interesting statistic. Um, but I think hormones have such a huge play, such a huge role in that. And also that just your genetic makeup plays a role in that as well. If you have 
um, that in your family, in your background, anywhere, a lot of those hereditary genes or, or the propensity towards that depression are passed on through your bloodline, actually. And um, it's been interesting to, to see throughout the last year and a half with COVID uh, how much those levels of depression have dramatically increased. Uh, and prior to COVID, it, I think the statistics read that it was 17.3 million adults, which is just 7% of adults, have at one time ex- had one type of depressive episode in their life, just a period of time where they were down or depressed. But that number went up drastically post-COVID to where two out of five adults reported in the survey that they did reported that they showed some type of symptoms of anxiety or depression, probably just due to fear, due to isolation, due to uncertainty of the future. What's the future going to hold those kind of things. But um, we're, we're seeing an increase in teen suicides. We're seeing an increase in isolationism. We're, we're seeing all these kind of negative effects that, that COVID has brought on and, and an increase in depression is most assuredly one of those things. For sure. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I had a counselor friend of mine and he told me one time, this was years ago, he said, Jeff, you know, it is not uncommon for somebody to come into my office thinking they have problem X. And as I listen to them talk, I tell them, listen, here's your real problem. You're depressed. You're depressed and you didn't even know it. There's a little study that uh, I put in the chapter on depression as just some questions Mm -hmm. to ask yourself because sometimes you can be depressed and think, well, I'm just tired or I'm this or I'm that. But the real issue is that you're suffering from depression. Debbie, share a few of those. Okay. um, Just things to ask yourself. And I think that I think if you say yes to one of these, you're probably not struggling with depression. But if you say yes to three, four, five, six of them, then you might want to evaluate things. But the first one is, have you experienced a sudden weight loss or a sudden weight gain? Number two, do you find yourself sleeping too much or not sleeping enough, just having insomnia? Have you noticed a loss of interest in activities that at one time you found pleasurable? Have you found a loss of interest in those? Number four, are you experiencing fatigue or a lack of energy? Number five, have you been overcome with feelings of hopelessness, worthlessness, uselessness, or helplessness? Number six, do you have difficulty concentrating, remembering, or making decisions? Is that doing any of those things just overwhelming to you to have to concentrate or try to make a decision? The next one, are you restless or irritable? And the last question, do you have thoughts of death or of suicide? Now, if you've reached that point, oh my goodness, that you are you are truly in that clinical depression era, um, realm. But um, those are questions that we all need to be aware of so that we can be doing some self-evaluation to see if we are in fact depressed. Well, and just because you may be a Christian doesn't uh, give you immunity from depression. And uh, one of the greatest preachers who ever lived, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he struggled with bouts of depression. Uh, there's a very, very famous quote that he had uh, when in one of his uh, terrible episodes where he said this, there are dungeons under the castles of despair. He had experienced such a dark time in his life that uh, that he came up with that that vivid statement. Think about that dungeons under the castles of despair. Uh, 
Abraham Lincoln was also a guy who struggled with depression. He said at one time, I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I'm afraid I shall not. But he went on to become president and a very famous president at that, the emancipator. So maybe you're listening today and you're struggling with depression. Maybe circumstances have just overwhelmed you to the point where you are losing hope. See, what is, when the alarm of depression goes off, that tells us that our desire, our God-given desire for hope is on fire. See, God is a God of hope and God made us in his image. Now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. And God wants us to be, to live life just overflowing with hope. And what I've noticed counseling people and, and talking to people who are really struggling with depression, they've lost hope for a better tomorrow. They just think life is over. Uh, things are never going to get better. I'm in chronic pain or this situation is, is horrible. I've messed up my life uh, too greatly. I can't go on. And when you get to that place, then you are a prime candidate for committing suicide because you feel like there's no hope for me. Well, and if you've if you've ever been in that place of depression, uh, you know you you have people, well-meaning people, that will say things to you like, you know, you need to just snap out of it. You need to just pull yourself out of this. And I remember at a time when I was suffering with some depression, someone said that to me, and it just wounded me so deeply because I I remember telling you, it's like does she not know that I don't want to feel like this? I mean, why, why would anyone choose to feel depressed? You know, it's obviously if I could just pull myself up out of this in a snap, I would have already done that. Right. And so um, anyway, I, I think people can be well-meaning, but sometimes say things that are hurtful and I was reading a poem the other day by a Christian author that had been depressed. And I, I just wanted to read you the very last part of the poem because I thought it, it was so true, especially since the guy was a, a solid Christian, a solid believer, had a solid walk with the Lord. But he said this, I feel sorry for myself and I've plenty of reason to. Maybe I ought to say I'm on top of it. Praise the Lord. Things are great, but they're not. They're just not, you know, and um, I think I think so often um, believers can condemn themselves and even further their thoughts of depression when they realize, man, I I I'm just not able to say that right now. I don't have that in me. You know, right. I'm so discouraged. Well, there is a great encouragement from the word of God. And there is a, a man in the Bible in the Old Testament. He uh, is probably one of the greatest, maybe perhaps even the greatest uh, Old Testament prophet in in the sense of being God's spokesman to his uh, to his Old Testament people, and that is the prophet Elijah. Now Moses, you remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses, who is also a prophet, but Moses is associated with the law. Moses appeared with Jesus. And Elijah appeared with Jesus. Moses, the law, Elijah, who represents the prophets, they appeared with Jesus and were talking to Jesus before he went to the cross. Uh, Elijah was the man that never died. He went to heaven in a whirlwind. I mean, he is big time. He led uh, the the children. Well, he, he was stood by himself against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 18. He went toe to toe with them and uh, God 
used him in such a great way and the people responded after the the Lord showed that he was God and Baal was not God. They responded and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Elijah did not shy away from going, uh, getting right up in King Ahab's face and calling him out, calling him the troubler of Israel. I mean, he was a man of fire. He was a man of conviction. He was a man who loved God. But in 1 Kings 19, he gets afraid because Jezebel, the queen, threatens to kill him. Such a sweetheart. Uh, he gets disillusioned because he thought there was going to come a great revival because they defeated the prophets of Baal. But that didn't happen like he thought it was supposed to happen. And he ends up fleeing for his life. And he goes way down south to uh, Mount Horeb, which is Sinai. And um, he's a depressed guy. He, he prays and asks God to kill him. He says this, uh, now Ahab, this is 1 Kings chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. I'm killing you tomorrow at this time. And Elijah was afraid and rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. Well, he was at that point where all hope was lost and he just asked God to kill him. His, his life in his estimation was not worth anything and he just needed to pass on. Uh, he's a depressed guy. And we're going to look uh, today at what does God tell his depressed prophet? What does he have him do? Because what God did for Elijah, he wants to do for us and he wants us to learn from that story so that we, not, not to get us to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, we can't do that, but to start thinking differently, to start acting differently, to, to get our focus on Him and on the truth, because God doesn't want us to live uh, depressed and discouraged and uh, hopeless, because He is the God of hope. Now may the God of hope, the Bible says, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be taking calls uh, in in our last segment. Let me give you that number just to get get ready. 1-888-589-8840. Don't go away. We're talking about depression and God has a word for you. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Debbie Shreve, and I'm here with my husband, Jeff Shreve. And, 
He is the founder of From His Heart Ministries, and we have been talking this week during this hour about negative emotions, harmful emotions, runaway emotions, and we've been um, discussing some topics from his book, Runaway Emotions, and today we've been talking about depression. And uh, I wanted to read a, a definition for you of depression that he has in his book, which I thought was so good. It says this, that depression is an emotional state of exaggerating feelings of sadness and intense discouragement that cause negative circumstances to overwhelm and and debilitate a person's life. And it's just kind of a, a black curtain of despair that just can just kind of fall over a person's life. And in our last segment, we were talking about the prophet Elijah and how that black cloud of despair had most assuredly fallen on him. Yeah, so he's he's fleeing from Jezebel. He goes south and he goes to Beersheba and uh, prays to the Lord that the Lord would take his life. And it says in 1 Kings 19, 5, and he lay down and slept under a juniper tree and behold, there was an angel touching him. And he said to him, arise, eat. Then he looked and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the, of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. And I find it interesting. So this, this prophet of God is very depressed, so depressed that he asked God to kill him. Take my life, Lord. It's no better than my father's. Um, and the very first thing that God does for him is minister to him physically. You would think, well, God is all about spiritual things, and so God is going to deal with him spiritually. But before he does that, he deals with him physically. You have to eat, and you have to rest, and you have to drink. I love this quote from Vince Lombardi. He said this, fatigue makes cowards of us all. When we are physically off, whether we are... Uh, tired, physically just run down, whether we're sick, something's off in our bodies, our chemo chemistry is off, or whether we have, are super hungry and we've just, you know, gone without and we're just weak and, and that kind of thing. Um, that's what we need more than anything. We need to maybe get a long nap, may, maybe eat a big meal. We need to, to do something physically that will help us. Well, that physical condition is is so important. And, you know, I think that's why it's in the Ten Commandments. You know, we we need a day of rest. We right. need to we have to take care of our bodies and take care of our flesh. And um, you know, it's it's important for us to get checkups and to physically make sure that we're hitting on all eight because there are a lot of things that a simple blood test can indicate to us that we're lacking in a vitamin or we're lacking in this. And just that little bit of a tweak can make such a difference. Um, and I, I think so often uh, believers think, oh, if I just have enough faith, if I'm just strong enough here, I can overcome this. And, and so often they overlook the element of the physical and how significant that is. Um, and I think that's why God did that two times with Elijah in this right. passage, because he does it once. He feeds him, he gives him something to drink. Elijah rests again, and then he, he gives him more food and gives him more water. Right. And so um, that, that to me just shows the importance of that. Right. 
uh, I forget uh, who it was exactly, but uh, some famous inventor, he said, uh, I have so much to do today, I simply must go to bed. Uh, I have to get my rest so that I can tackle the issues of the day. Well, so God deals with his physical situation. But then it says, then he, Elijah, came to the mountain of God, Mount Horeb, to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? That's interesting because he had gotten there on his own. Right. <clears throat> right. And God says twice, right. same question. What are you doing here? Now, here's the thing. So we we have to look at the physical situation. Hey, physically, am I getting enough rest? Because rest is a big one that will make you depressed if you're not getting enough sleep. <clears throat> but then you start looking at the spiritual condition. Elijah had always been led by the Lord. Right. He listened to God. He did what he said. You read the life of Elijah and God would say, now go from here to here and he would do it. But now all of a sudden he's on the run. And he's afraid and fear has gripped his life. Jezebel's going to kill me. And he starts to flee. And God hasn't led him to do that. He's not listening to God. What are you doing here, Elijah? So that's a good question to ask ourselves when we get depressed. It's like, okay, where am I? Am I where God wants me to be? Am I doing what God wants me to be doing? Maybe the answer is yes. But perhaps the answer is no. You know, Elijah's in the ministry, but he's not where God wants him to be because he's not operating by faith at this time. He's operating by fear and in fear. And fear is driving the train and not faith. Right. And, you know, he had felt so all alone and he had told the Lord, hey, I'm the only one. I'm the only prophet. And in the chapter before, he had found out that there were at least a hundred prophets that had been saved, 50 apiece in these two separate caves. Right. So intellectually, he knew that he truly wasn't the only one, right? right? But emotionally, he felt as if he was the only one and he felt he was all alone and he felt discouraged. And um, as a result, he fell into the fear that he felt as well. So he was just truly at the point where he was so depleted, he was letting his emotions dictate everything to him. Right. You know, when when that happens and he tells the Lord, I alone am left. And mm -hmm. the Lord says, well, I have you're, you alone. I have 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. Right. So you're not alone. But he felt he alone. He felt alone. And I think that in, in all our the, the struggles we have with emotions, we let feelings just dominate. Mm -hmm. Feelings cannot dominate. Feelings are what feelings are, but feelings can never be allowed to drive the train. Faith has to drive the train. Actually, if you look at Campus Crusade years ago, they had a little engine in a, with a car, boxcar and a caboose, and they had these words. They said, it is fact that drives the train, faith in the facts that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He died and rose again. So it's fact, faith, and feelings. Feelings just kind of come along for the ride. The caboose doesn't direct anything. It just goes in the direction of the facts and your faith. But the, the danger that we all run into is feelings start to drive the train. And we just, how do I feel? And uh, rather than telling your feelings, hey, feelings, this is the way it's going to be. We're going in this direction. They start telling you, well, this is the way it's going to be. And I alone am left. There is nobody else. That's how I feel. I feel all alone. So that must be the situation. 
you pose a question in this chapter in the book that says this, in your fear or anxiety or depression, is it possible that you have put distance between yourself and God? You know, are, are you fixating and thinking on the wrong things? And um, I, I think most people at, at one point or another have allowed those negative emotions of fear and anxiety and depression to absolutely take your eyes off the Lord and put it on yourself and just be so self-focused. And that separates you and puts that distance there between you and the Lord. Well, it definitely does. And, you know, when you start thinking, when the Lord tells him, uh, I have 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal, the scripture says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's from the mouth of Jesus, John 8, 32. So really important when you are depressed to fill your mind with the truth and meditate on the truth so that you can tell your feelings, well, okay, I feel this way, but here's the truth. Because uh, I may not have any reason to feel the way I feel. And so I have to keep flooding my mind with truth to say, well, but this is the real situation. This is the real story. Now, I remember, um, Debbie, when when we were going through a difficult time 10 years ago or so, and uh, Wayne McDill and his wife, Sharon, uh, they came to see us. Mm -hmm. And uh, Wayne was the one that wrote the book, The Message in Your Emotions. And from that book, I... I collaborated with him to come up with runaway emotions. He was the one that kind of devised the connection between these negative emotions and, and what God is saying. And so he has been a dear friend for many, many years. And I remember his wife saying, because I was kind of down in the dumps and whining and griping about things at church. And she said, Jeff, I know a lot of pastors who would trade with you in a heartbeat. Uh, you think it's so bad, but you're not seeing what I'm seeing. You, you, you know, we can get tunnel vision where right. we don't really see the whole landscape. And that's kind of Elijah's situation. He didn't see the whole landscape. He didn't see anything good. All he saw, bad, bad, bad. So very important to fill your mind with the truth. Hey, here's the truth for whatever's going on in your life. Your life, your situation, your family, your marriage, your whatever, your whatever mountain, it is not hopeless because God is the God of of hope. And you are not a failure because God is the God who works all things together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. I remember years ago when I was selling chemicals for an Alco chemical company, I had a customer and he had a tattoo on his arm and the tattoo said this, born to lose. What a great tattoo. I just remember looking at his tattoo and thinking, uh, did somebody drug you and and put that on you while you weren't watching? I mean, you, surely you didn't pick that tattoo, born to lose. But that was kind of his mindset. You know, I, it's never going to work out for me. I'm just, I'm just born to lose. Well, that is a lie. And that is something that we need the truth to break that lie. You are not born to lose. Your situation is not hopeless. You are not a failure. You are not unloved. You are not unaccepted. You are not all alone. Those are things that really come into our minds when we get depressed. And nobody cares for me. And nobody knows the troubles I've seen and that kind of thing. And, and it really, it all boils down to it's all about me. Right. It's a self-centered 
focus. Well, I know when we were going through that difficult time, one of the things that we did in our home was that we we very purposely changed the focus. You know, um, the enemy loves nothing better than to uh, be involved in darkness and he thrives in darkness. He thrives in isolation. And and so we just made the point of making sure that our home was bright and open. We made a point of making sure that praise music was on in our home all the time. And even at night while we slept, we kept it on and we didn't have it, you know, where we necessarily heard it, but it was in the house playing, you know, because uh, the Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people and that at the mention of the name of Jesus, the enemy has to flee. And so with that praise music going in our house, the whole aura and spirit and feel of our home changed because God just was inhabiting it. And through that music, when the name of Jesus was spoken, the enemy was fleeing and he was leaving. And we we started to feel a difference in our home because, man, your home is to be your safe place, your haven where you refresh and you renew and you restore. And so when you are in your home and you're feeling such a weight of despair and discouragement, you've got to start physically making some changes in that environment to help pull you out of that. And um that praise music was was such a positive thing for us to do. And um, it wasn't necessarily that we consciously thought about all that music all the time, but it just changed the very atmosphere right. in our home. And it had a dramatic effect on us and on our hearts and on how we felt. Right. Well, God inhabits the praises of his people and the devil can't stand the praises of God. Right. So it's hard for him to to get in and, and infiltrate your mind and heart when the the whole atmosphere is one of praise. Well, this is what it says, uh, what the Lord says to Elijah. And the Lord, the Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? In verse 10 of chapter 19 of First Kings, he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of the, uh, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left and they seek my life to take it away. So he said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by and a great wind and strong, a great and strong wind were rending the rocks and breaking the pieces, uh, the mountains and breaking the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a gentle blowing, a still small voice. And the word came, what are you doing here, Elijah? God speaks in a still small voice. Does he speak through the wind? Does he speak through the the fire? Does he speak through the earthquake? Yes, but... If you're going to get close to God, you have to get quiet before the Lord because he speaks in the sound of a gentle blowing in a still small voice. That's how the Lord wants to speak to our hearts. He doesn't want to shout at us. He wants us to listen to him and hear his voice in that whisper. You got to get quiet to hear a whisper. You got to get close to hear a whisper. And God had a whisper for Elijah, and he had a plan for Elijah. He's going to give him some things to do. Uh, Go find Elisha and get him going. He's going to be your your successor, and you're going to mentor him and prepare him. Go find those 7,000. Yeah. 
So we're going to be taking calls in this next uh, segment. 1-888-589-8840. That's 1-888-589-8840. We'd love to talk to you. We're talking about depression and God's answer when we get down and depressed. He doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to remember that God is the God of hope and we can trust him and look to him. So don't go away. Welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here with my wife, Debbie. We've been talking about the issue of depression. And uh, just to finish up our story on Elijah, God gives Elijah uh, an assignment, things to do. He says to his depressed prophet, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Haziel king over Aram and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. And it shall come about the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel, Jehu shall put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So God gave him some things to do to get his focus off himself. Right. He gave him assignments. And um, you have a quote in your book by a Dr. Carl Menninger that he was a famed psychologist and psychiatrist. And um, they were asking him what advice he would give to someone who was suffering with depression. And he said this, lock up your house, go across the railroad tracks, find someone in need and do something for them. So, so often the answer can be found in getting the focus off of you and onto other people and, and doing those tasks that God has given you to do. Now, that being said, there are, are times when people are depressed and it's a chemical type imbalance that they have and they they need to see a doctor and they can't just pull themselves up. They can't just get other focused and, and, and go and do things. But, um, once that medicine, had, once you get on some medicine and your your chemicals get back balanced, l- the Lord never wants you to stay just focused on yourself. No. That's never his plan for a life is for you to just be inward focused all the time. Right. And so the goal of anything like that is to to be able to get you to a point where you can get your focus on something else again and be about the business that God calls you to do. Right. And the, the amazing thing, the way God has set it up, as you give, God gives to you. And so when you feel like I don't have anything to give, you give the little bit you have and God will replenish that and he will fill you and there'll be joy and peace and power once again as you give out and trust the Lord. Well, we're taking calls 1-888-589-8840 and we have Nancy from Tennessee. Nancy, welcome to the broadcast today. 
Hey, thank you. I appreciate you taking my call. Um, I enjoyed your program yesterday about guilt. Uh, what your wife said, what Debbie said, was such an encouragement to me because I was letting the devil uh, take my guilt and run wild with it. And then when I realized it was guilt and not conviction, um, conviction is what I really needed, and I got that. But as far as depression goes, when I willfully sinned, this was about three months ago, I went into the worst depression I've ever been in. And I think it's because I walked away from God mm-hmm. with that willful sin, and I missed his presence. I missed his joy. Uh, and I know some when we sin a lot in what we call little ways, I think that can build up in our lives and affects us like what we would call a big sin. It takes right. away our closeness with God, and he can't hear us because we have that sin blocking our prayer to him, and right. we lose his fellowship. And so the willful sinning is what really uh, – the ten things she Debbie mentioned a while ago, I, I felt every one of those except the tenth one. Uh, I didn't mm. want suicide. I didn't want to die. Right. But the other things, the loss of interest because I knew – I felt like God was glaring at me, and I know he wasn't because he still loves me. Right, but he does. Both of your programs have just really um, encouraged me, and I really thank you. Uh, and I know that God's going to bless your ministry. Oh, thank you, Nancy. That's so sweet. I'm glad you're doing better. Thank you for sharing that today. Uh, we have Audrey from Texas. Audrey, welcome to the broadcast today. Thank you so much for taking my call. I sure. do as Nancy did want to just tell you how much each of your programs has meant to me this week. I need to tell you that I, too, went through a deep, deep depression, many fractured uh, emotions in my life growing up. I even saw my dad take his own life, uh, not expecting that that's what he was about to do. Uh, So many uh, just activities that that uh, I was forced into as a child uh, just all kind of came to a head when I was in college. So from college through the age of about 32, I guess, I really suffered a lot of depression, even though many good things were happening also. But When I was expecting my second child, there was a ministry, a a couple who went uh, into homes doing Bible studies, and I happened to go to one of those Bible studies, and they started then coming and ministering to me, and they taught me just what you have said today, praise music, get praise music going. Another thing they taught me was... You yourself praise God for everything that has happened in your past because God can turn that into good, just as he says in Romans 8, 28. So I learned that when I would praise God, when these bad emotions would come and I would start praising him for his strength and the power that he had to just dissuade me from being in that situation, I would be, the the uh, pain would drop, and I would feel joyful. So it is true, the, the presence of, you know, he does inhabit the praise of his people, and he takes 
whatever is bad, and he can turn it to good, in fact, even to joy. Joy is the, uh, God's joy is truly the strength of my life. And I quickly will tell you this. I began at, at, I feel God's direction to begin making lists for each day of good things to achieve, always starting with praise, you know, praising God right. and being in his word. And mm-hmm. then I would mark those things off as I accomplished them. And I would feel this sense of, of just God's joy in doing what I was, what I was doing. I just want to thank you for your ministry. I listened to you at six in the evenings. Oh, thank and you, Audrey. I just, feel that you are an amazing uh, couple being used of God because of your love for him. Well, that is so sweet. And thank, thank you, you for so sharing much. that. Uh, that is uh, that is good stuff that will help people. And uh, I love the making a list and then checking it off because it gives people a sense of accomplishment. Hey, I did do some things today. The other thing, just a real practical thing, when you get depressed, you end up kind of closing the drapes and you kind of sit in the dark. I remember seeing this one man at our church and he was not feeling well and he was depressed and he just kept kind of a blanket over his head. So everything is dark. You need to get the light coming in and you need to open the shades and you need to let the sunlight come in. You need to get outside. Take a walk. You, you need to, yeah, get your mind focused on the the beauty and the majesty of the Lord. It just changes your perspective. Well, we're taking your calls 1-888-589-8840. We've been talking about the subject of depression and how uh, God has given us uh, ways to ward off that uh, that terrible negative emotion and how to deal with that negative emotion by putting his word into practice in our lives. So we'd love to talk to you about that. 1-888-589-8840. I remember um, several years ago, uh, I decided that every day for the whole year in my journal, I was going to have it be a, a thankful journal, a journal of thankfulness. And so every single day, the first thing I would do in my prayer journal was I would just list things that I was thankful for. And it really does. You talk about changing your focus. That is a major way to change your focus right. and to get a good pair of 2020 lenses on <laughs> and instead of your vision being blurred. And to this day, I, I still I got in that habit over the course of the 365 days that I did that, that almost every day. That's how I start my prayer time out with the Lord is just in gratitude for his provision for me, his watch care over me, his uh, favor that he has upon my life, right. the the gift of my children, of my home, of my my dogs, just right. e- just everything. It's just it's such a good thing to just make sure that you keep a heart of gratitude and um, that you discipline yourself to do that because the enemy wants to steal that. The enemy wants you to be negative, doom, gloom. He wants you to be despairing. And right. so it's so important to do that. Well, we have uh, Matthew calling. Uh, Matthew from West Virginia. Welcome to the broadcast today. Matthew, are you there? He's not there. Okay. Well, we had Matthew from West Virginia, but now he's not here. Um, that is so true, Debbie. And so we we lose sight of the fact that um, 
God has blessed us with so many things. The scripture says, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. Focus on what you have, not what you don't have. We tend to really focus in on what we don't have, and we need to focus in on what we have. We have Randy from Louisiana. Randy, welcome to the broadcast today. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, yeah. I wanted to give my testimony is about depression. Uh, 2004, December the 23rd, a drunk hit me and ended up breaking my neck, and I'm paralyzed from the chest down. Mm. And I'm uh, so sorry. In 06, it just got to the point where I didn't even want to get out of bed. I had horses. Uh, my youngest daughter rode all the time with me, and I just totally didn't want to get out of bed. And one morning I woke up, and just as clear as day, the Lord spoke to me and told me, Randy, it's time to get up and start living. And with with his help, I was able to get up, start getting up regularly, taking care of my animals, taking care of my property. And still today, uh, well, I have some sleeping problems, but without fail, I get up every day and my hobby is working. Yeah, I got I go out and find something to work on. Amen. Do around my property. Uh, I I still have depression from time to time, and I do take some medicine for it. But I feel that that's the Lord's way of helping me. Amen. Get through through this, you know, difficult time. It's been Mm -hmm. uh, seventeen years. But, you know, it's it's still hard. I still right. learn. Every day I learn something new, a new way to do something that's, you know, normally just real easy to do. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so but, much for uh, sharing that, Randy. I appreciate that. I still remember having a conversation with Johnny Erickson Tata. Uh, Johnny, who's in a wheelchair, has been in there for 50 plus years. And she told me, she said, uh, she said, Jeff, every day is a struggle. I have to choose joy because I am in this chair uh, for the rest of my life. And um, but God gives me that that joy when I choose to focus on him, praise him for all that he's done and not focus on what I've lost, but focus on what he's given me. So, Randy, thanks so much for sharing that testimony. We have Matthew in West Virginia. No, Matthew wasn't there. Remember? Hey. I think he. I think he's back. Oh, he's back. Oh, good. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Um, so I've never been really a believer, I guess, but um, I just really struggle with depression, and I get real desperate, and I just say, oh, please, Lord, please just help me find something to do. And I just don't know how to be of service. It just doesn't feel like there's anything I could do that would be meaningful to anyone in any way, and I just... I just don't know what to do with myself, and I just think about all the unfortunate stuff that I've done or that's happened to me, and I just don't know. I just don't know what to do. I feel so hopeless. So that's kind of, you know, just where I'm at, and I'm just looking for something to do to sort of, um, I guess, serve the Lord, even though I'm real struggling, uh, really struggle with disbelief. 
Yeah. Well, I appreciate your honesty there, Matthew. Let me just encourage you this way. We're running out of time, but let me encourage you to uh, to go back, go to AFR.net uh, slash podcast, listen to this again. And um, as you spend time, if you will take time to read the Gospel of John and read the Bible and allow God to speak to you, he is the God of hope. And Romans 15, 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. There's power in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks so much for listening today. And uh, we just pray that you would keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, and walk with him in the light. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.